This is the best of Sports Channel 8, the radio show podcast. Part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the best of today's Sports Channel 8, the radio show. Let's get to the things that you can talk about at lunch. First up. How about that Wolfpack? NC State with a 15-14 win on a blocked field goal. that I'm not sure he was going to make anyway, but they bailed him out by blocking it so he didn't have to miss it. The Pack now 6-3 with Syracuse and Georgia Tech left on the schedule. Over the right side, touchdown Wolfpack. Even if you split the final two games, has this been a really good season for NC State, Goodson? Yeah. Yeah. Very good. I mean, with with how last year turned out, uh, Dave Doran's, Dave Doran's uh, body of work has been good. I mean, if you took it away, like, you have a couple of nine-win seasons in a row, you've gone to a bunch of bowl games. Sure. Like, we always talk about, there's like 5% of college football, which is like really elite, and the other 95% are you might have a year where you get close, but you're not ever going to be really close, and so consistency in bowl wins is important. But, it's, but last year was eye-opening because it was like, whoa, do, do they not have good players? Right. And the coaching, the, the coordinator situation was bad, and, and Doran, to his credit, was a pretty loyal guy. Like That's why the guys who got the coordinator jobs last year, the, the, the co-offensive coordinators, just a loyal guy. They had been on his staff forever. Didn't want to lose that cohesion. And just, I think he genuinely cares. But he made the tough decision to let go of all of them and kind of understand, like, if I want, if we want to be good, I need to go get some better coaches to to take care of those sides of the ball. And this week was the first time that I think the offense game plan was not good. And I don't know if that's there's when when it, when a quarterback struggles. I think it's a lot of where what were the wide receivers as good as they have been. Right. Was the play calling as good as it could have been? And then there was penalties, so there was lots of weird situations. But the defense is, this week was the was the story. Uh, held Malik Willis to yeah. 172 yards passing, 44 yards rushing. He was like a dark horse Heisman candidate coming in. Um, Bam Knight and Ricky Person both went for over 80 yards. All right, but, and here's the other thing. All right, let's give them two wins. Let's say they beat Georgia Tech and Syracuse. They will. They should, but yeah. they but they could lose one they won't. Of, of those games. They won't. <laughs> okay, they thank won't. you. <laughs> they finished 8-3. Yeah. All right, much like we were saying, it, it'll be a hard year to fire your coach yeah. or to blame your coach just because it's you know an odd year in general. Yeah. It, does that work the other way too? Do we? It's a hard year to give praise when yeah, you go do, eight and three. Do you give credit? But but it's eight and three without non-conference. Yeah. Like normally in the triangle, we're used to every team patting themselves with at least three. Well, the one, they got the wins. one non. They got the one the Liberty. But their one non-conference yeah. game was a top twenty-five team. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, they could end up seven and three in the ACC. In the ACC. And I don't care if they, they didn't play Clemson. I don't care that they didn't play Notre Dame. Yeah, like it, it doesn't matter. No one will care. Not. It, it's going to be a weird year. I, th- I think if anything, if you if you excel this year, then it, I don't know. Just it feels like your your the buy in of your team is 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 there and and can lead you into something next year. But like it, it's it's a weird year. It, it is. Yeah. But you start looking at bowl games. Like if if bowl games even exist, if they still <laughs> continue, like eight and three. 
and I looked at this yesterday, Dave Doran, he's got a lot of incentives on the table. Oh, yeah? Eight wins. So I believe it runs like this. If he gets to eight wins, that's a $50,000 bonus. Okay? If they get to eight wins, is 50000 bucks. So win two more games, you get that. Nine wins, which win your two in your bowl game, another 100000 Oof. Bowl win is fifty. Finish in the top twenty-five, which if you win out, they're going to finish in the top twenty-five is fifty grand. So there's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of incentives on the table, and I don't know. State's really young. They got Devin Leary will be back. He might, maybe he'll be play in the bowl game. Should they do that? But they've shown a lot of resiliency. Like I think I, the theme of this week was I've seen a lot of state teams lose a game like that, and. Right. They found a way to win. Questions? Did uh, did uh, did you hear him chanting "overrated" at yeah, that's Liberty? Stupid. That's stupid. They were Liberty, overrated. Liberty, like, why? Did you did you watch the game or were y'all? Yeah, I, I, I watched it in parts. It's more focused towards the end. I did not watch. I the was entire not. Game. And I, I mean, I told Joel, I said last week, State's going to win because I just thought they had better play. Like, I wasn't that impressed with Liberty. Yeah. But I was actually more impressed with how their defense played. I did not expect that. Like, if NC State had won, I would have thought it would have been 40 to 30. Yep. A lot of people thought that. Their defense, yeah, I know. Yeah. A lot <laughs> of people thought that. But, like, they, I, was, I wasn't super impressed with Liberty. You kind of got the look of they played their Super Bowl against Virginia Tech, kind of got lucky to win. And if, if they had won this game, I would have felt it was very fluky with how it kind of yeah. went. Sorry, Liberty. Maybe next time. Uh, next up on things. They did he, not win by 10. As no, J- they Jared did not. Brooks was just. He had the over and Liberty by 10. Yeah. That didn't make you some money. Next up on things you can talk about at lunch. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Love that. Why is Davos when he's so angry? Angry man. Angry guy. For context, they were down in Tallahassee getting ready to play Florida State. Clemson traveled to Tallahassee. They were there. It was the first game that was canceled on Saturday morning. It was like, canceled Saturday morning because of a positive test that came back on Friday. The test was Friday, so yep. I believe the results came back Saturday, which is normal. I think every team is doing that. right? right. That's why sometimes whenever teams run on the field, all of a sudden there's not – oh, the, the starting quarterback, he hasn't been – not hurt all week, you know, whatever. But um, Florida State determined that they were not comfortable because I think the kid had practiced a lot during the week yep. with negative. He was symptomatic. It was asymptomatic. Well, I think he was showing. Oh, he had some mild. He symptoms, was showing yeah. symptoms, but, but I've read a lot about this. And there's been differing reports. But I don't on a lot understand what the symptoms are. Like, are these the symptoms of me being in? Having the, my, the cough I've had the last three weeks, and, and it sounded like one of the clubs of people said, "Yeah, you know, we see a lot yeah. of coughs because it's cold and flu season." Right. So he did; he was showing some stuff. So then he traveled with the team as well. He traveled with the team. But and apparently, then, they spread out over nine buses, yeah. so then everybody gets like their own row or whatever. We'll ask Chip Patterson more about it. But, but Florida State, I believe, was the one that supposed uh, that the reports are did not feel comfortable be- playing the game because of essentially the kid been been practicing all week yeah. i guess is, is the main reason and Clem- then Dabo, we'll hear him in Dabo. a second clemson uh has said they followed all acc protocol but the acc apparently said in there you know when yeah. they laid out all the things you had to do they said ultimately the two schools have to agree to play 
And we're not going to overrule a decision either way. If two schools say they want to play, we won't tell them they can't. If two schools, if somebody says they don't feel comfortable playing, we're not going to make anybody play. So the ACC sort of absolved itself from responsibility there. But then yesterday, Dabo Swinney was very clear about where he placed the blame for Clemson and Florida State not playing. And as Dan said, we offered to test again. Play Saturday night, Sunday, Monday, and it was declined. We spent three hundred, several hundred thousand dollars, three hundred plus thousand dollars, to travel. We set up a Ringling Brothers tent in the in the took over an entire parking lot to do what we have to do to to meet the standards. We had people travel from all over the country to come to the game to see the game. We met the standard to play, and we should have played. We have mitigated everything all year long, all year. Meetings, practices, meals, housing, how we travel. If the standard to play was zero positive tests, then we would have never had a season. This game was not canceled because of COVID. COVID was just an excuse to cancel the game. And to be honest with you, I don't think it has anything to do with their players. I have no doubt that their players wanted to play and would have played. And same with the coaches. To me, the Florida State administration forfeited the game. And if they want to play Clemson, in my opinion, they need to come to Clemson or they need to pay for all expenses. Other than that, there's no reason for us to play them. We were there, we were ready, and we met the standards. The $300,000, dude, you make $9.3 million. Yeah, throwing that go out. away. And like, obviously, even, even at the points where he's most right, he crushes himself when he says things like, we set up the Ringling Brothers Circus, yeah. you know, and, and by saying this COVID was an excuse. Um, look, if and we've said this from the beginning. Um, e- even if you believe that's going on, in 2020, you got you got to let you stuff like this go. Yeah, yeah. You, you cannot, you can't be this guy. Like that, We all deal with this in our daily lives. Like, yeah. we may take every precaution and, and have every well-intended plan, but if, yeah, Governor Cooper is going to have a press conference today at two o'clock. Might shut and us down. Whatever he says might say or Sports does, Channel Eight, you can't be in the studio. Whatever he anymore. says or doesn't say, like we might sit here and think that's a little crazy, or, or, or that's or that's too much. Yeah, whatever we, we can think it or not. Yeah, but but I don't think is. I think we're going to be like, no, this is we'll do it. Twenty twenty, and we're going to do it, and that's what you do type thing. I don't know you if you're in a leadership spot like him. You, I, yeah, just too much. Like, be mad it was canceled. Be okay and be um, – I'm okay with him saying we did everything we were supposed to do and we're told to do. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to, you, yourself to be looking at like, – you don't, don't want to get a reputation of you being sloppy yeah. with stuff. It's just, a, just, yeah. You did what was within the protocol and Florida State made a decision they were comfortable with and you just have to leave right. it at that. If you want to run up the score on them next year and cheer about it in your locker room, I, fine, I guess. If that if that makes you happy, yeah. But going on there and just complaining about it, just it seems a little childish. Um, the Ringling Brothers circle. So they were supposed they're supposed to play in theory on December twelfth, which yep. was like the open date that everybody had. But but the ACC they the ACC's release they wanted to put in there that they will be making up the game December twelfth. But as is clear, the two schools uh, were not quite committing to a, uh, a makeup game yet. We'll see how it goes. Um, next up on things that you can talk about at lunch. Ringling Brothers tent in the in the took over an entire parking lot. <laughs> Do we have a quarterback controversy in Charlotte? Oh God. PJ Walker, XFL legend, 
getting it done. He played quarterback so well, he shut out the Lions. Now, even he actually threw two interceptions in the end zone, but it didn't matter. Panthers still won 20 to nothing over the Lions. P.J. Walker, 24 for 34, 258 yards, the one touchdown, and as I mentioned, two interceptions, both in the end zone, which, you know, under normal circumstances might lose you a game if you're in the red zone twice and throw two picks. But uh, I, I'll say this. You've been on the the Panthers are interesting train way before anybody else was. I'm going one step further than, than you. Okay. Coaching staff might be good. Now, the trouble is uh, – Joe Brady is going to get a job somewhere else before the Panthers get good. Well, and the other piece of it, and we've seen this like with every college guy. Now, Matt Rule isn't 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 gimmicky. He's right. not Chip Kelly. Right. But when Chip Kelly came that first year, they were really good because there was no film, there was no yep, yep. anything like that. And then once coaches understood kind of what they were and like what the personnel was that he has, it didn't really work. So. I just want to. I I think they're interesting. They've pulled all the. They've they've punched all the right buttons or whatever the the saying is. But going forward, like you won't know how good they are at coaching or until they're in some key situations. Until like yeah. next year or or they're in like a uh, pressure situation. There, to, there's no pressure at yeah, three, when you're to, three and seven and your backups in and no, you're you're not playing a great team. Totally agree. I guess what I like is that their their defense still isn't stacked with great personnel. Yeah. But the personnel that are they're playing above good. average and good yeah. are we're seeing good stuff from shutting out an NFL team. Just it doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. So to pitch a, a full shut I mean it's just you think about that. When do you ever look at like first quarter overs and first half overs in the NFL, and they'll sure. be like 10 points or something. You're like, well, of yeah. course they're going to score 10 <laughs> points in the first half. You know, but it's a lot like, of times they like, don't. It's like the, the can't-miss teaser. It's like, this is of, free money. Of course they're going to. but Because you just assume that an NFL team will get a ball across midfield, <laughs> and, and at that point a kicker can kick a field goal through. I mean, yeah, you're just going to have one guy break it. So a shutout, very impressive. And again, just – the guys that they're clearly targeting, okay, you're going to be part of us, part of our franchise when we're good, like Brian Burns, um, like Derek Brown, like Jeremy Chin. Those guys are, are making plays on the field, and then they're just getting by with some serviceable dudes. I, I feel like everybody likes to bust on Trey Boston, which I get like he's kind of like the poster boy for why the Panthers aren't great. They're like, I mean, look, they got Trey Boston starting, right? right. Basically, he's a he should be a backup, but like, I don't know, man. I feel like he does pretty well. I, I get what people are saying when they say that. Like, yo, this is, uh, on in the grand scheme of things, if this guy is in your starting backfield, you don't have a great defensive secondary. Excuse me, not backfield. Secondary. If this guy's your starting safety, you don't have an elite um, NFL secondary. But then I'm like, I think he's a smart player. I think he's just yeah. not He's not that fast. He's not super athletic. But I always see him, like, making plays. Anyway, um, that is the Panthers. Oh, next up on things you can talk about at lunch. Unless, do we have Courtney Cox? We'll get to Courtney Cox in just a, just a minute. The next thing you talk the about at lunch. The ceiling is the roof. Is Gordon Hayward worth $30 million for four years? I, don't even, <laughs> I get worried to talk about NBA. Because I don't know anything. You, you know who Gordon Hayward is. I know, is. no, I, I, I do. But, like, in the sense of, I don't want to come on here and say, like, that this is ridiculous. And, like, BG and others be like, no, he's still good. That's not that ridiculous. But from a very, I don't pay attention to the NBA a ton, but I know enough. I'm going to get to 30 other guys 
who I think you would spend big money on before, before I get, I get to, Gordon to Gordon Hayward. Hayward. And, like, and I feel like the, the Hornets, I don't know. In the NBA, you, to to get good, you have to have really good players. Like, it's, that's a dumb thing to say, sure. but that's the reality of the situation. You have to have one of the top 10 to 15 players in the world on your team. And is he that? Is he a top 15 player no, in the world? No. And like, so to spend a lot of money on that, it just seems, and I know that there's a lot more when it comes to free agency than a BG was sharing on the Slack thread. A lot of these deals are way more setting you up for the next cycle. Yep. Or, you know, setting, setting you up, up your for cap space or your, yep. and like, oh, if you get this guy, then this guy who we really want next year is on a team that can't pay him. So we're going to have, like, but I'm like, what does that mean for now? Yeah. I'm All not, I know now is like we are paying you're paying a guy thirty million dollars, and I don't know if he's that good. Like if he's warrants that. Uh, I'm with you, and we'll deep dive more on it with Brian Geisker yeah, tomorrow, I, I, and yeah. he'll explain it some more. But no, over the weekend NBA transactions were flying like crazy. Yep. And I wasn't paying attention to any. I was like, look, I'll I'll sort it all out at one point. Um, I'll you know I'll just. Uh, I'll just sorry. I'm trying to figure out what's no, going on with Courtney. There's here. like, I'm well, there, at, that's fine. But like, here. I, I was like, I'll sort it all out with, on Monday or whatever I get back. But, um, but I, then so, I saw Gordon Haywood and I was like, wait a minute. So I know that I know that Hayward didn't play in the playoffs. He's been hurt, right? But these are and this is a very very bad. But this is a casual, casual, very casual NBA guy looking at it. This was the point uh, points per games for the playoffs. Okay, okay? Donovan Mitchell. I would I would spend money on Donovan Mitchell, yes. Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, uh, Anthony Davis, Giannis, Jamal Murray, Jason Tatum. Like these are guys that like you you feel like they're going to get you forty five. They could sure, get you sure. forty five yes. every game, and that's kind of what you need to be relevant in the NBA, right? I don't I don't the, know, I don't know if he's that guy either. And 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 again, Brian Geisinger knows way more, and he'll tell us like, no, he's good for their core. Yes, like with their other pieces. He's he actually very complimentary, but I'm like, I don't know, just from a fan perspective, like the NBA is just all about entertainment and like having the best players. I was like, that's a lot of money, I feel like. Yeah, he doesn't get me that excited either. The other question I'll ask Brian, guys, it didn't seem like a move like this was in the long-term plan that the Hornets had. My question is if Gordon Haywood is part of the Hornets' long-term plan or if it's more like you said, one of those chess moves of we got to get this guy so then we can – Flip into a contender mid-year next year when we know they're going to want him, and that you know we just had to sign him so we could trade him later. Joining us from CBS Sports and the Cover Three Podcast, you can follow him on Twitter at Chip underscore Patterson. It is Chip Patterson. Chip, no, Chip, don't do it. But my friends call me Chip. How am I supposed to Chip? What's that going on, Doug? Chip had the music blasting. We're not gonna take it. Chip, save the show. Interesting, right? That's like if you've got Gordon Hayward and everyone always wants to make Gordon Hayward a thing, then at least people are talking about you. And we are talking about the franchise that just drafted LaMelo Ball. I have no idea how the basketball works, but I do know that we just got bumped up in like whatever your highlight show is, whatever your 60 minutes national sports conversation is. Yeah, the Q rating is going up. And. I'm just saying, when when Gordon Hayward gets drafted, I feel like there's a, a sub-30 banker bro that just bought season tickets, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs>
Hundred yeah. percent. Sub yeah, yeah. Sub thirty banker bro wearing some drivers was just like, you know what? We should go to Hornets games after work. But to uh, but to Goodson's point, um, we're not getting a Christmas Day game because of Gordon Hayward. No, like he's, he's definitely like, not. Like when the Panthers got Cam Newton, it was like sweet. Not only is he really good, he's like if the NFL had a Christmas Day. The Panthers would have been on there just because Cam Newton's playing. You know what I mean? But LaMelo Ball uh, plus true. Gordon Hayward is like, that's what I'm looking at. I'm just saying like in one week, because I would rather watch the baby buzz. Like I would rather watch Devontae Graham, Miles Bridges, and PJ Washington and like sort of build with uh, other pieces around there. And when you add LaMelo Ball and Gordon Hayward, those are like, I feel like I'm losing the chance, losing the opportunity for true Devontae Graham flourish because the touches, the shots, the possessions just seem to be drifting away to the new acquisitions, but I will admit that those new acquisitions will lead to more nationally televised games. That's what it is. Like if the Hornets only had two nationally televised games per year before, then I think that they probably double that number. Um, yeah. See, I put Lamelo in the baby buzz though. I think he's going to be fun. But anyway, all right. That's all. Too but much. he takes possessions from Devonte. Uh, that's all right. That's all right. He'll be all right. Um, all right. Joining us to talk more NBA from the Cover 3 podcast <laughs> at CBS Sports. Hey, uh, all right. Davo comes off looking a little bit like a jerk. His uh, AD, Dan Radakovich, even apologizing for him a little bit today. Um, is he right at all to be angry that Florida State uh, let them come to town and then didn't play? I, I've, <laughs> well, You know that meme where it's like the worst person you know made a good point? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a little bit of like, I understand why Dabo is frustrated. I just think that the execution makes him look just as whiny as he looks every November. You know, when he talks about the Roy bus, R-O-Y, the rest of y'all, like this is that time of year where he just starts telling his locker room, nobody believes in you. And he builds this chip on his shoulder. It's like seasonal habit to be sitting here in late November and trying to act like the entire world is against you. And at some point, if you continue to drive that message in, which is, you know, one of his motivational tactics, then you're actually going to believe that the entire world is against you. Like there is almost paranoia uh, that has been built into this motivating tactic. And I think that's what we're seeing coming out because I'm not going to like if Florida State didn't want to play, that's fine. But this whole back and forth about whether or not we're going to play December 12th, y'all got to come play us. We'd rather play Pitt instead of FSU because Pitt's a home game. This is where it's getting really, really petty. And, and I do think, and I heard y'all say before the break, I do think that ultimately this should result with just some like bad blood that sort of falls yeah. into the rivalry. And if Dabo wants to run the score up on them, fine. But I do not actually care about like, litigations and who plays who where in the rescheduled game like this just feels exhausting and nonsensical uh chip patterson joining us from the cbs sports uh from cbs sports the cover three podcast F uh, fill me with the rest of the details because yes last i heard in theory they could play on that open date on the 12th <coughs> i didn't know about the pit possibility uh what, what clemson said they'd rather play pit Clemson said they're not going to slot the game for the 12th in case the pit game gets canceled. Gotcha. Like they are saying, we are going to hold this pit game because it's a home game and 
one way or another. If it happens this week, then after this game is played this week, Florida State, we can maybe talk about coming to Tallahassee on December 12th. But we don't want to schedule this game for December 12th, then all of a sudden have to postpone the pit game and lose that. See, we're, we're in that um, – we're in that mindset right now where all these different schools, we don't have any, any open weeks left. You know, yep. there's limited number of games and limited number of rescheduling opportunities. And so Clemson and Florida state may play on December 12th eventually. But the reason that it's not being scheduled is because Clemson just doesn't want to commit. I mean, you know, your friend who doesn't want to commit, right? Hey man, yeah, I need I, to get a head you, count. I am, for, that, uh, I am that friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You are that guy. It's like, I, I need to get a head count. Are you going to come? It's like, well, I mean, probably, but, but I'm not yeah. going to commit just yet. I got a couple more things that I got to wait to see what happens. Yeah. If Sutton calls me and wants to go sailing, I'm, I got to leave open my possibility that I can go sailing. Um, yeah. All right. Actual football to discuss. Moving on from Florida State, Clemson. Uh, any doubts about Ohio State after Indiana hung close with them this weekend on Big Noon Saturday? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any doubts about whether or not they like they should win all the games in the Big Ten, win the Big Ten championship. But uh, the the things that stood out, number one, from like a, a structural X's and O's standpoint, it does seem concerning that you can pick on their defensive backs. And Indiana's got great wide receivers, but the entire game plan was like, let's just chuck it up there and hope to get a pass interference or let one of our wide receivers make the play. That's not uh, great when you compare them to Alabama, you know, and right. one of the best passing attacks in the country. Uh, not great when you think about trying to defend Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is better than Michael Penix Jr. Um, and then the other piece would be just, I thought it was an uncharacteristic performance from Justin Fields. The guy was like a 90% passer coming into the game, throws a couple interceptions, his first interceptions of the season. I think that was more of a one-game thing, but the concerns are definitely a little bit more on the level of, you know, if you thought that Ohio State, well, like I don't think Clemson is is on the top tier, um, and I thought Ohio State might be on the top tier. I don't think Notre Dame is on the top tier. It really does look like it might be Alabama's the only team that has put together a profile um, that you you look at it all the way across the board and you're like, all right, that team is the national championship favorite. And I think that that's what we saw coming out of the weekend. Yeah, it seems like that. Although. The best name in college football is definitely Ty Freifogel. For some reason, yeah, oh, I saw you. You just, amazing name. What about but what about his name. teammate? You know his teammate's name is Wap Fillior. <laughs> I don't know Ty Freifogel. And you know who the tight end? No, 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 no. This is these are all the pass catchers: Ty Freifogel, okay. Wap Fillior, and Peyton Hendershot. If right. you have a tight end named Peyton Hendershot, Hendershot, I mean it's incredible. And the quarterback's name is Michael Penix Jr. Yeah, no, that's good too. But Ty Fryfogel, it's like you could just call him Ty Fry. You got the whole Fry thing to play <laughs> off, but then Fryfogel, you got two F's in there. It's just an amazing name, start to finish. Like you couldn't make up a name like Ty Fryfogel. It's so that's good. True. All right, one third of the top twelve teams in the country are made up by these four teams: Cincinnati, BYU, Northwestern, and Indiana. That is one third of the top twelve. Which one of those are actually good? Cincinnati and BYU. Okay. I think I think that Cincinnati is like playing really well. Um that's like do you ever get into those conversations where you're like I think this team is good but they are not playing well. And then there's uh, this team is playing above their heads. You know, this team is no, I just exceeding expectations. My here's my assumption and let me go I'll look and see if I'm right on this is that Cincinnati started the year as like a, they were supposed to be pretty decent. 
and that they haven't really played many people and they've won every game and so they've moved up? Like, have they beat anybody? Yes. So beating UCF was a really good win. Beating mm. Memphis was a really good win. Like the the Cincinnati performances, like they did not look good against Army early in the season. Like that was a point where I was like, this team's fraudulent. They've got a good defense. Their offense stinks. So they're going to stay in a lot of games and be competitive. And that's kind of what Cincinnati was the last couple years. They've had double-digit win seasons each of the last two years. So they were definitely on the radar coming into the year. But it has been like the offense has kind of gotten going they beat SMU, put up 42. They beat Memphis, put up 49, put up 38 against Houston. ECU, we, we remember being uh, the late uh, run up the score in the senior night. And yeah. then to be able to outlast uh, UCF in a shootout on the road, I think they're playing well. They're playing good on both sides of the ball instead of just being a little bit sneaky fraudulent with a good defense. Like Northwestern right now has a great defense and their offense just does enough. I thought that's what Cincinnati would be. That's not what Cincinnati has been. BYU just thumps teams. And, like, who knows what happens when they get to, like, the New Year's Six Bowl game or wherever they end up and they do play a team from a power conference. I mean, I, I could see it being Boise State over Oklahoma. Uh, I could also see it being, you know, maybe they maybe they get a little bit exposed. I, I can't get a good read because the level of competition is just, I mean, they played North Alabama this week. They played UTSA. Uh, you know, when, when some of the best teams on your schedule are the mid-tier American Athletic Conference teams, it's, it's tough to get a good feel for you. So I would say Cincinnati is very good, and they are playing really, really well. BYU is just better than all the bad teams on their schedule. Northwestern might be a little sneaky fraudulent because I don't believe in their offense. And Indiana's just fun. It's just a just a fun yep. team. Uh, Chip Patterson joins us from the Cover 3 podcast at CBS Sports. We go around the ACC now to get his good, bad, and ugly. Chip, what you got for us? Very, uh, very limited slate of ACC action, thanks to uh, the postponement <laughs> of Clemson, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Miami, and Wake Forest, Duke. But that does not mean that we are without some good, bad, and ugly. We begin with Pitt. And hey, 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 can you play the sounder for me? Uh, Do we have it? Uh, Michael Shelton filling in today. Shelton, I think you can find the pit sound. There it is. Oh, that's right. We got to give some love to that pit defense. Virginia Tech came into the game. We know that they have uh, one of the best running backs in the entire country with Khalil Herbert. We know they try to establish the run and pits defense limited Herbert to just 72 yards on nine carries Hendon Hooker just 13 for 22 for 260 yards two touchdowns and that pit defense was complemented by a 400 yard performance by Kenny Pickett and do you want to know why we want to especially highlight Pitt as a whole team here because they were down double digit players because of COVID-19 protocols that included three starting offensive linemen and the number one receiver dj turner steps up with jordan addison out 15 receptions for 184 yards and one touchdown pitt improves to five and four and virginia tech is in trouble right now so give me pitt as our acc good of the week i'm, surpri defense. I'm surprised that Dabo swinney didn't name check the exact guys that were out for pitt and yet, and and yet, 
they still play. That's part of the reason why he's keeping the schedule open for Pitt is because they play this weekend uh, despite having guys testing positive for COVID. Ringling Brothers tent. In- <laughs> uh, all right, what's your ACC badge, Chip Patterson? Syracuse couldn't get anything going. I mean, no one really knew what to make of that Friday night game. Did y'all watch it? Louisville and Syracuse? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Absolutely I mean, I re- not. actually, you know what? I should probably put the Louisville-Syracuse game. Syracuse lost 30 to nothing against Louisville. It was a battle of teams that coming into the game had combined for three wins all season. Uh, Louisville now 3-6, and six, Syracuse now 1-8. and eight. And the, Louis talks about how the Orange, because of opt-outs, because of injuries, um, and because of COVID protocol, they're trotting out like maybe 60 scholarship players, an FCS level of scholarship players. The cards did not even play that well, but they just slowly but surely moved through the motions. It had the feel of a like mid-tier cap eight, cap nine conference game. Like it just, (laughs) you're just kind of like, sure. All right, punt. Okay, there's a touchdown. Like I just... (laughs) It was bad, man. Bad, uh, bad game all right, on Friday Syracuse, night. Syracuse, Louisville in November on a Friday night. All right. When when I picture when I say the word radar, if you're like me, I picture like for some reason I go to like a submarine or a ship. Like if I'm actually picturing a radar that's like seeing the you know, the planes come in or whatever, like you're on a right. ship or in a hangar. So you've got the big circle that's the radar. And the green bogeys come in, and you got the the thing that's sweeping around there. That's on like the screen. Then that thing is attached to like a big gray box, right? That's the mm-hmm. that's like the whole radar. That Louisville Syracuse game to me is like outside of the ship, in the waters. <laughs> it's so far off my radar for a Friday night Louisville Syracuse thing. It it didn't even dream of being detected by radar. No, I did not know that Louisville beat Syracuse thirty to nothing. But I'm glad that I learned it today. Chip, what's your ACC ugly? Um, the state of Virginia Tech and Justin Fuente in particular, who's snapping at reporters, Ooh. you know, saying it's preposterous for him to take over the offensive play calling. Uh, they're asking, you know, what what do you, uh, you know, what do you make of this team or this season? He's he is doing uh, what y'all were talking about earlier, where like, you know, if. If Virginia Tech had won a lot of these close games and they were on the other side, then you would hear him talking about the like this means so much because of how difficult this season has been. You know, they've got the close loss UNC, close loss to Wake Forest, close loss to Liberty, close loss to Miami before finally just getting blown all the way out by Pitt. But he's spinning it the other way where he's saying like, you know what? You got to take this season into consideration. You know, we can't really count this season, right? I mean, we definitely cannot count it in terms of me or my hot seat, right? You guys should definitely, um, definitely give us all a pass the same way the players have a pass. And it's just so convenient that, you know, the head coach that interviewed for the Baylor job last year, but then decided that he was going to, you know, come on back to Blacksburg for a little bit. He's, he's trying to spin the narrative once again. And it is a, it's a messy situation because the worst thing that could happen for Justin Fuente and for any coach that's on the hot seat is apathy. And I yep. I need to have a few more conversations with uh, people closer to Virginia Tech, the Virginia Tech program, but at least the fan base uh, does seem to get a little bit of a creeping sense of apathy. And that's when things get really sad, especially at a proud program like that. Um, what year is, is Fuente in? I want to say it's like three, but it's probably more like 16, five. 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, it's five. Five. 
Has he had uh, have players been opting out of the season midseason, like at Florida State? No, it's not been as bad for him there. His he had a, a really bad, I guess, prior to last year, he had a really bad situation with transfers. I remember that. I remember that getting arrested. I just didn't yeah. know if, if that was all, uh, happening in season now, where which again would sort of lead to an, an apathetic feeling of guys just are kind of over it. Um, Chip Patterson from CBS Sports. Check out the Cover Three podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Chip underscore Patterson. Joining us now to talk more about Moose's golf game, college basketball, Auburn self-imposing penalties, and whatever he wants to since he had to sit through that ticker. It is our good friend Ben Swain. What's up, dude? Yeah, you guys want me to come back some other time since uh, <laughs> we, that was like a 30-minute ticker? We, we already lost Courtney Cox today. We, <laughs> we're not doing good getting guests on the show. Sorry. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, sometimes we just, you know, we, gotta, we, we were proud. We actually had ticker stuff to dive into, so we had to go with it, Swain. Hey, I know we're not doing uh, show coats today, but I do have some notes for you guys. Please, uh, for, always from welcome. The, from the first half of the show. First of all, uh, you, you failed to touch on how much Liberty improved from Friday's show to today. Because Friday, Liberty sucked and was overrated. Uh, today, it was a huge win for State over <laughs> uh, over a very good Liberty team. So, did, did you hear? Uh, the, shout out to Liberty for getting so much better over the weekend. Did you hear the Carter Finley crowd hitting them with the overrated chant? Yeah, I, I did. That's I did. I, I felt like it was a shout out to uh, to Moose and Goodson specifically. <laughs> it, was, it was a Sports Channel Eight shout out. Uh, you also failed to mention that uh, in Dabo's rant about how serious he takes COVID safety was the we had people fly in from all over the country to come watch the game. <laughs> we followed the protocols. We had our fans there in separate RVs. Yes, no, I, I, I did notice he snuck that in. Uh, and then a note for, for Chip Patterson, uh, talking about the Virginia Tech Hokies. I'm looking here. I see a single-digit loss to UNC, single-digit loss to Wake Forest, a single-digit loss to Liberty, and a single-digit loss to Miami. I'm led to believe that that is good enough for a preseason top 10 the next season, right? If you lose yeah. close games one year, yeah, that's right. that guarantees you that you'll be a top 10 team the next year. You're right there in it with all of them. Absolutely. Virginia Tech's having a uh, great season. Yeah, so so uh, Justin Fuente has nothing to apologize for. He's got the Hokies in a great spot to be preseason top ten next year. So way to go, uh, way to go, Coach Fuente. Um, th- that is all good stuff. Ben Swain joins us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Swain, Wednesday, November twenty fifth is supposed to be the start of college basketball season, but down here at the bottom of a long schedule of games that are supposed to be played, I see an increasingly longer list of games that are not going to be played, including this is Wednesday alone. Florida's canceled their game. Washington's canceled their game. Uh, Nevada, Creighton is a number 11 team. Northwestern, all these teams not playing. Um, Do you expect leading into Wednesday and Thursday, it's going to look like championship week from seven months ago now or whatever it was now, and just more games will start falling by the wayside? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to cancel games that they don't need to, right? Uh, it's not going to be one of those things where we're seeing teams cancel games just because other teams are. Um, but that's that's just good. that's how it's going to be this year. We've seen it with college football, and think about how many guys are on a college football roster. You know, if, you, if you're missing what we saw this past weekend, uh, I can't remember what team it was, but they were down 20 players. Uh, you know, if you're down two guys on a college basketball roster, that's yep. that's going to greatly impact the game. Yep. 
Um, one of the games scheduled for who? who does, hold, hold on, hold on. We we have a, we have a thirty minute ticker, and I'm getting yipped while while I'm talking. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> what? He's no. not paid attention to anything today. Yeah. I'm definitely paying attention. I'm am just looking at matchups that that are supposed to happen this week. Uh, who's Duke supposed to open with this week? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't even know who they play. I just know they play Wednesday night. I honestly don't even know who they play. Uh, doesn't matter. Um, you know, hope, hoping they get that game in. I'm I'm ready to see some ACC teams play. Uh, although the the last the last ACC game that we saw was uh, Syracuse beating UNC by like 50 points. The best game. Uh, thank you, thank you. Duke, Duke plays Gardner Webb. I knew that. Duke opens against Gardner Webb. UNC has College of Charleston. I believe that game is uh, on Wednesday as well. NC State has yep. Charleston Southern. Uh, so we'll see what what happens there. Um, over the weekend, Auburn announced they were self-imposing a postseason ban, which has become like the cheeky savvy move to do when you know you're not making it to the postseason uh or yeah. or even better when there's not going to be a postseason georgia tech did it last year um there was no ncaa tournament uh auburn's doing it this year they i think they lost all five of their starters supposed to be made seventh in the sec or something like that might not have made the ncaa tournament anyway um my question uh, a couple questions one you've been big on the why do we still care about some of the stuff especially in basketball when we know it goes on in football. However, Bruce Pearl seems to be a guy who continues to get in trouble with the rules. How do you deal with somebody who, yes, maybe, maybe we um, we shouldn't yeah. care as much about play, money getting to players, but when somebody is routinely out of bounds on the rules, we got to do something, right? Well, well, this isn't even a money getting to players situation. This is a co- an assistant coach taking bribes from financial advisors to steer players towards signing with those financial advisors, which – I don't even know how you trace that back to, yeah, we probably shouldn't have our players play in the postseason so they learn the lesson. Like, they, they the players did absolutely nothing wrong right. in in this scenario. This is just a, a coach that they have fired for his involvement in, in some of these scandals, and and they're punishing the players for it. So I, I think I think you see three things here. This is very much a – Please stop looking. We we are punishing ourselves. Move right, like they they don't want more uh, things to be uncovered. So this is very much that. Two, we saw Georgia Tech last year with the self-imposed ban. Obviously, they didn't know before the season, but we saw the NCAA come in and say, "Hey, it still counts." You know, uh, you 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 don't have to be banned next year. So it's a safe bet for Auburn to say, "You know what? We're not going to play in the postseason this year." When there's a good chance that there might not be a postseason this year. Uh, and then you already mentioned it, that, that Auburn's supposed to be bad this year. So mm-hmm. it's very it's very much one of those moves where uh, it, it's, it's completely wrongheaded to uh, punish these players for the actions of a coach that doesn't even work there anymore. Uh, and then it's it just seems to be like a please stop looking into our program kind of move. Yeah. Uh, ben Swain joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. All right, very important question when college basketball starts this week, Swain, what are coaches going to be wearing? We heard like an announcement from the ACC that said they were okay with going with polos, but then I've heard in interviews with individual coaches that didn't necessarily mean that they're all going to wear polos. They just said the option to. What are you expecting to see uh, being donned on the sideline by our head coaches when the season starts? I don't know. We saw we saw Shashevsky in a hoodie the the uh, the last Zoom meeting that he had. So uh, so maybe he'll coach in a hoodie. I would 
I would definitely want to see that. If he does, uh, Brian Geisinger is going to find a way to get on staff. If if they're not wearing staff hoodies, Brian Geisinger will get on the Duke uh, coaching staff. I, I, I think we'll I think we'll see a lot of polos this year. Um, I think uh, Mike Bray might be like in a tank top uh, <laughs> in, in sandals. Um, I, I'd like to see that look from him. But no, I, I think I think we'll see dressing down across the league uh, this year. And I, I'm all for it. I think it's a, a dumb uh, tradition to have basketball coaches wear suits on the sideline. Just just wear your like track suits or whatever. I can't defend it. I'm, I can't say that it's not dumb, but for some reason I like it. I don't know why. I don't know why. I kind of like the dressing up for a uh, for a game. For some reason, like night game feels like a bigger deal to dress up for. I don't know. I'm, Maybe I'm yeah. hoping coaches will like mix it up. Like when Roy and Kay face off Duke UNC, don't you want to see them in suits? Like treating that like it's a big really, deal. I don't really care. I think uh, I think one coach should go the opposite direction and go full Jim Halpert and wear a tuxedo, dude, I, just to make it classy. That'd I, be that'd be fantastic. I would love that, and I'm with you. I want Bray in like a gym, like a t-shirt with the sleeves cut off for the gym, not not um, Bill Belichick style. I mean sleeves like all the way off. Like yeah, you see yeah. him full shoulder on Bray. You know he's got a couple of those. Um, all right, Swain. We will. Uh, we'll check. And, and hey, I'm not. Yes. I'm not getting off this phone before giving M. Cheesy a shout out with our Liverpool absolutely dismantling Leicester City Woo! with a, uh, a B squad this weekend. Take it away, absolutely. Shelton, jump on three three nil. Just absolutely beat down. Uh, probably the second best team in the league. So yep. uh, yeah, uh, shout out to Leicester City for one of those goals. By the way, an own goal. Yep. Always. And he tried to get same guy had a header off of the post. So we almost had uh, two own goals in the same game, which would have been un- unreal. Yep. So we're now Liverpool's now tied with Tottenham atop the table, twenty points each. Yeah, and and, and no one takes them seriously. <laughs> no, but, no. Again, uh, LFC Raleigh meets for every match of the London Bridge Pub, East Target Street, right down the road from Marbles Kids Museum. There you go, Michael Shelton, Ben Swain, our Liverpool correspondents as well. Swain, we appreciate it, dude. College hoops will be here in forty-eight hours, man. We'll have some fun. I'm not sure if I've ever heard the full version of this song. Joe Giglio was in here between breaks. Check him out in the afternoon show, the OG 3 to 6. And he was asking about Boy Meets World, one of my all-time favorite shows. And I immediately recognized this as the theme from Boy Meets World, Michael Shelton. But I got, must say, I don't think I've ever heard this as the full song. Neither have I. <laughs> Just the... Uh, do you remember the original theme for Boy Meets World? This was the one that they went to kind of like junior high, high school years. I don't think it had any. Um, I don't think it had any lyrics to it. It was just. Dun, 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 dun. There we go. Great show. It was good. I don't think it got the. Like Say by the Bell was probably more popular. Yeah, it definitely was. But I don't think Boy Meets World got of of that Friday night. Yeah, the was, TGIF. It a, was it Friday night yeah, TGIF? TGIF? I I would almost put it, I'd put it ahead of step by step. Swoof. Would you? Let's do that. Boy, rank all the TGIF shows. I mean, we don't have to Are rank we, them all, but there's some bad ones in there. I mean, like it's uh, Perfect Strangers is in there too. Yeah. Like first of all, it was just almost like a sitcom primetime night. So the then they started one, aiming it more at like kids. So like, like the main ones, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start in 1990 because that's when I would have started. It started a few years is before. This, is the perfect? Is it like 
Perfect Strangers, Step by Step. I mean, not, not Step by Step. Perfect Strangers, Full House. Family Matters. Family Matters. That's the one, which is also a step by step. Uh, I keep saying step by step, which is a Perfect Strangers spinoff. Yeah. Hanging with Mr. Cooper was in that. Wow. I, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. That was solid. Sabrina was a solid show. Would you? What, where would you put? Boy Meets is probably the best out of the TGIF. I like Boy Meets over Full House. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Full House is is more culturally iconic. Yeah, but Boy Meets is better, a better than show. Family Matters. Yes, better than Family Matters. Also, Family Matters also more culturally iconic. Better than, than Step. By, better than Step by Step. Step by Step might be my number two, with Sabrina being my number three. Okay. All time. Um, and Boy Meets shows. World was good because it got. It actually got better as they went through different transitions of life. Yeah, some like Eric so, was legitimately funny. So like, Say by the Bell was on. It's on some random channel now on the weekend mornings. Yeah, Peacock's doing a reboot too. Yeah, yeah and I saw the 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 Malibu. So they had the Malibu Sands. Okay, they yeah. were okay, yeah. right? But they this no. But the other ones was when Jesse's dad got married. And they were oh yeah they were at uh, Palm Springs yep yep it was like a just that, a two that part was episode it was awful that was a weird yeah it just wasn't it was very forced it was like oh we got to do some episodes of like it was not we don't good. have a full a full yep. season to make no. old man younger marrying not, a younger woman totally agree with that it was not, weird even when Zach and Kelly got married in Vegas not not great that doesn't fit it into didn't the, it didn't fit but Boy Meets World I felt like every I mean they started when they were young yeah. And it was good when they were young. It was good when they were middle, high, and even college. Yeah. Pretty good. That was solid. Great show. Uh, what's the word of the year this year? Good Mask. So, interestingly. COVID. M- many things that are, you know, would have been thought of as like everyday terms, but we didn't think about them that much, like mask, are words that have been used a ton. Um, mask. Coronavirus is a word that's existed since 1968, but until this year was little used outside medical context. Uh, but yes, coronavirus, uh, impeachment was a big word earlier in the year, but obviously that's fallen by the wayside. All right, do you do you know any of the past Oxford words of the years? No. I'll bet I can, well, some of these I can describe to you. All right, last year the word of the year was climate emergency. Okay. Which is technically two words, but I guess that doesn't matter. Okay. 2018, the word was toxic, was the word of the year. 2017, the word of the year was youthquake. 2016, word of the year, post-truth. 2015, the word of the year was not in a word. It was actually the laughing so hard I'm crying emoji. Basically, the emoji with tears was the word of the year. Actually written as face with tears of joy, Unicode U plus one F602, part of emoji. 2014, it was vape. 2013, it was selfie. Those seem like... Those seem like words of the year because selfie was a term that, like, at some point didn't really exist, and then all of a sudden everybody knew what it was. Mm -hmm. That makes sense for a word of the year to me. Like, youthquake, uh, I I get that it was probably, like, cool at the time, but in in the year 2010, you didn't hear the word selfie that much. In 2013, everyone knew what a selfie was. Well, this year, Josh Goodson, Mm -hmm. there is no word of the year. Okay. What? Because 2020 is so weird, Oxford Languages, the publisher of the Oxford English Dictionary, has foregone the selection of a single word in favor of highlighting the coronavirus pandemic's swift and sudden linguistic impact on English. 
and I get it. And they, they really do. They did a whole study. You can dive. There are words that came into meaning in 2020. I didn't. Some of these I've heard of. Doom scrolling. Do you know that? <laughs> yeah. Like when basically just you know that things are miserable, but you keep looking yeah. at your social media yeah, feed. Yeah, anyway. I've heard of that. Yeah. Covidiots. I guess that would be COVID deniers. Okay. This one I had not heard actually. Blur's Day. Never. It's heard like of that what one. day is it when the days all blend together? Okay. So you're like it's Blur's Day, but no, um, they are not picking a word of the year. For ex- uh, the word pandemic has been used fifty seven thousand percent more than it was the year before. That's a lot more times. Um, so yeah, they've decided they're not going to pick a, a word of the year. Um, there's some other ones, phrases that got used a lot this year, including Black Lives Matter, Juneteenth, Decolonize, Allyship, uh, but none of those made a word of the year. Uh, and then, let's, let's see, there were some other words that, terms that became new this year, mm-hmm. social distancing, okay. flatten the curve, lockdown, stay at home. Also, another word that, that they said was used a lot was remote or remotely. But whenever you used to see remote or remotely, you always saw it followed by village or island or control. But this year, remote and remotely were followed by learning, working, and workforce. Um, the Oxford report also highlights increased use of in-person. Land, uh, let's say, and in 2020, it became increasingly necessary to specify in-person for things like voting, learning, worship, and so on. Most years, a lot of the fun for Oxford shortlist comes from um, blend words like mansplain or broflake. So like covidiot is the closest to that. But basically, they're not giving us a word of the year. Now, I feel like we're getting – I feel like of all those ones we just mentioned, we could have picked one. Yeah. Right? Like pandemic could have been the word of the year. And instead, they're just giving us a full report on all the words that we've used new in 2020 – and that we're like hearing for the first time, and and have invented like, terms like flatten the curve and lockdown that we hadn't used before. So I feel like once again we're getting the short end of the stick here in 2020. Hmm. Uh, yeah. What they, would what would be your word of the year? I was going to mask. Mask. It's not bad. Um. Probably could have been some or rigged. <laughs> nah. See, I see we stay away from rigged or impeached. <laughs> like like. Ultimately, there will be a lot of political things that happen, but I think for the word of the year, um, it's got to be something pandemic-related. Actually, I feel like Rona might have been a good... Rona? Yeah, either Corona or just with the apostrophe Rona. Um, at some point, it became acceptable to just refer to it as the Rona. So <laughs> so you do not get a word of the year. Um, sorry, Oxford. Be a, a social distancing? That could have been another word of the year. Yeah. Social distance. I think that would have been a good one. Uh, with the little time we have remaining, we have just enough time to decide if things are overrated, underrated, or properly, rightly rated. This is rightly rated. Rightly rated brought to you by WaveTech. You can now effectively and successfully treat your ED for good with no pills, no pain. To schedule a free consultation, just text WAVE to 323232. That's the word WAVE. Text it to 323232. And again, it's a free consultation. So why not do it? It's just free. As we often do on Mondays, we get our rightly rated all from the Panthers broadcast. 
Radio play-by-play man Mick Mixon doing work once again. First up on Rightly Rated, Goodnight Kisses. Are Goodnight Kisses overrated, underrated, or rightly rated? How did they come up in Mick's broadcast? Each of the last five weekends, the brash young Carolina Panthers have had a date but have not even managed to get so much as a goodnight kiss. Last time out, the Panthers walked Tampa Bay to the door and got slapped right across the face. A rejection like this can give a body a complex, but here the Panthers are yet again dressed to kill and ready to wine and dine the Lions. Trying to be patient, but in need of a score, the Panthers are determined to make a good first impression and try to turn their fortunes around. In need of a score? Mick Mixon oh just, did Mick Mixon just go there? So what? And now we need to get Mick back on and hear his analogy of so what does a twenty to nothing shutout do for you? If a goodnight kiss is just getting a W, goodnight kisses overrated, underrated, or rightly rated, Josh Goodson. Um, sappy moment. Now that I'm a dad and can give them to a little baby, they're pretty underrated. That's a cop out, but it's fair. It's fair. It's underrated. What? But I, but I was going with. Do you remember? Being like on a date as like a teenager and being like, I wonder if I, I wonder if I'm gonna kiss her. <laughs> like can, that's, trying to be patient, but in need of a score. That, Mick, easy, but keeping it fresh. Um, I'm not sure. Good night kisses. Like when when they really seem like when you had only kissed one person and you were like, oh, this might be the second person I ever kiss. High anticipation. Good night kisses. Very underrated. Um, next up on Rightly Rated, Border Collies. Are Border Collies overrated, underrated, or rightly rated? What you got for us, Mick? Like a Border Collie, the way he changed directions. So that was a quick one. Border Collies. <laughs> Josh Goodson, overrated, underrated, or rightly rated? Overrated. They're not overrated. Yeah, they are. Nah, they're smart. Um, uh, what, uh, what is Border Collies? Is that... Um... Was that Lassie? No, La- Lassie's a something or other. It's like smaller than Lassie. And I think of them as more like black and white instead of like Lassie's all orange, you know? Uh. I think of Border Collies as black and white. I used to have a guitar teacher that had a Border Collie, and we could basically like juggle together. I would like keep throwing a ball, and the Border Collie would catch it every time and drop it perfectly so that it would roll back to me, and I could just keep it going. I've, I don't have the investment to train a, a smart dog. But I'm always amazed when you see like a super smart dog, and I feel like border collies are insanely smart. Border collies are rightly rated. Okay. I won't go underrated, but I'm going rightly rated with border collies. And finally, the, on rightly rated, courtesy of Panthers play-by-play man Mick Mixon, it is Brooklyn Decker. Brooklyn Decker, how did she come up? He's making Taylor Decker, the left tackle, look like Brooklyn Decker. I'm not sure exactly. I'm assuming he was claiming that Brooklyn Decker would not be much of a, an, of an offensive guard, <laughs> so that was a, a bad thing. Is Brooklyn Decker overrated, underrated, or rightly rated? She's a UNC fan. Overrated. Just, she went to UNC, right? I don't did, know if she ever Or is she went. just a UNC fan? Of course. Uh, like. She's a Walmart fan? <laughs> um, Brooklyn Decker, but she's got to be slightly overrated, right? Was yeah. She's an alum of David W. Butler High School in Charlotte. Did she have, because she... She was like a model, and then she was in one movie, and that was it, right? As, she, as an actress, she's overrated. As a person, she seems like a very nice, excellent person. I'm not sure why Mick Mixon went with the Brooklyn Decker reference. I'm going Brooklyn Decker, Deckler, rightly rated. You're going overrated. 
You've been listening to the best of Sports Channel 8, the radio show podcast. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. This podcast also drops every weekday at noon. Thanks again for listening to the best of Sports Channel 8, the radio show podcast.